Children lie, in case anybody is wondering, children lie all the time. What? Not my precious youngins. Not my precious babies. Maybe your kids lie, Dorsey, but mine doesn't. <laughs> of course, right. <laughs> yes. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. All right, David, before we get into this, I want to talk about the Family Life Blended Mm -hmm. Summit. Okay. When this is released on Friday, October the 1st, Mm -hmm. we are an exhibitor at the Family Life Blended Summit. What? What? So this ought to be interesting because it's a virtual summit in which we're going to be an exhibitor for. Are you going to sit here with me? I'm going to try to. Okay. So I don't know. I haven't seen anybody do this yet. Like I've seen virtual conferences and I've seen breakout rooms and I've seen Zoom rooms and all kind of craziness. Because, I mean, we've even done, not through Nacho Kids, but I've been a part of a conference that, that did that. But this is going to be an exhibitor thing. So I guess we're sitting in a Zoom room or something like that and waiting for people to pop in and out, kind of like when you walk by the exhibitor's table. Well, that's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what what this is about. Well, I had to fill out this thing, um, and they asked what times we would be available in the booth. Mm-hmm. So I looked at their schedule and said, okay, when they have breaks, that's a good time mm-hmm. for us to be at our booth. Right. Lunch, good time to be at our booth. Mm-hmm. But there's also a way that people can set up appointments with us to Mm -hmm. talk to personally throughout the day. Okay. So, of course, I can't be both places at one time. So I had to make it that I can't do appointments while I'm in the booth. Hmm. The virtual booth. But I really want you with me when I do the virtual booth stuff because you know I don't like doing this by myself. (laughs) I'll be there, I think. And then they suggested having like a virtual background on Zoom mm-hmm. that has your logo. Mm-hmm. So I was able to mess around on Zoom and I did that. But then it like traces me out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that's not going to work very well with our setup. Well, it didn't work well with my setup downstairs. Mm-hmm. It was horrendous. <laughs> it might be because my hair's in a ponytail today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, for those, but it looks like it looked like his face was just coming out of this white curtain. <laughs> yeah, those work best if you've got like a solid color behind you. So this is going to be interesting, folks. It starts yesterday. <laughs> it starts yesterday. <laughs> yes, but you can still sign up. I think you can get like thirty day access to the videos. We got to be there for thirty days. No, okay. We're not in the videos, but we are a virtual exhibitor which we are blessed to be a part of Mm -hmm. and very excited. And I'm going to make David sit in the Zoom room with me. (laughs) I'll be there. So I won't be all by myself. (laughs) It'd be like every time I I go to places with you and, you know, I always tell people you like the old car takes forever to get you started, but good Lord, once you get going, can't shut it down. Well, that's like (laughs) the recording we did with Charlene Roberts the other day for the Step Family Network. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, we chit-chatted before. We were all laughing and cutting up. And then when it came, okay, showtime, give your introduction. It's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And it was horrible. So then everybody else gave theirs. I'm like, well, can I do mine over? 
And they were like, sure, it wasn't any better than the first one. <laughs> but then, like you said, once we got talking, I was like, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, buddy. Then word vomits. Yeah. So, well, word vomit sounds bad. <laughs> it wasn't bad. You were a word hurler. That's even worse. Okay. Okay. So anyway, so let David quit talking to me about other stuff and let's get to talking about our guest today. Okay. Who is our guest today? Dorsey Pruder. And that's her actual name, which doesn't happen often here on the show. (laughs) (laughs) And Dorsey is the founder of Conscious Co-Parenting Institute. Yes, she is. CCI. I don't think it's CCI, David. (laughs) See, around here, here's what you guys don't know that are listening. Around here, CCI means Columbia Correctional Institute. (laughs) I didn't know that. Okay. All right. So, Dorsey, do you call it CCI? I bet you do because everybody's got to shorten everything up. She's not going to listen to this. She's like, I had enough of those people on the interview. She will absolutely listen and she will share it out to all her friends and family. Dorsey deals with parental alienation. Mm -hmm. She deals with other things too, but I think that's her main focus. Right. And her goal is reunification of the child with the alienated parent. Mm -hmm. And she works with the court systems, and they come up with a plan to reunify the kids with the alienated parent. Yep. So they will basically come up with a plan to take little Johnny from his mama because she's been alienating the dad and reintroduce him into the dad's life and then... Little Johnny goes and stays with dad for a couple months. Mm -hmm. That's my understanding of it. Yeah. And it's more complicated than that. I gave you the Reader's Digest version. Yeah. You have to listen to the interview because if you're like I am, you're kind of sitting there with your head turned sideways like, do what? And she probably gets that a lot, really. Yeah. Because when I first heard of it, I'm thinking, so you yank little Johnny out of the only home he's known and go put him with the dad that's basically a stranger for six months. What sense does that make? Yeah, I don't know if it's quite like that, but I mean, she's got a super high success rate. But she's um, the court system uses her there. Uh, I'm assuming in California, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the court systems vary everywhere else. So the court system uses her. So you know, she's got to be certainly doing things the right way. Otherwise, you know, there's a lot of liability there. So um, it's an interesting interview, and and as you listening to her talk, she she knows her stuff and. Uh, she helps Lori a good bit. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Come on, tell the listeners. No, no, they'll they'll hear. So um, Lori gets a little bit of um, some guidance on how to better be my wife. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is, I I was like, dude, here's a chance for me to poke fun at you. <laughs> Yeah, and poor Dorsey, she even felt sorry for me because she's like, David, stop. I'm like, Dorsey, you feel my pain. She's like, I do, honey, I do. Play the victim card. Play the victim card. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's just get going. (laughs) All right. So check out the Family Life Blended Summit 2020, and you can check it out at (laughs) summitonstepfamilies.com. All right. Good deal. Ready to get into the interview? I am. I am. Me too. I'm really not, but I am. <laughs> what do you mean you're really not? Oh, oh, yeah. Y'all have to listen to about, oh, it's close to the end of it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it would be entertaining, I promise. 
You don't know what I edited out. I don't David. know what you edited out. I'm surprised you didn't edit all of it out. That's what kind of gets me. Uh, it's a 10 minute podcast for the first time in our life. <laughs> yeah, I'm very interested to see how much you kept in there. <laughs> me too. <laughs> all right. So let's start our interview with Dorsey Pruder. Woohoo, Dorsey. <laughs> but first, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have Dorsey Pruder with Conscious Co-Parenting. <laughs> How are you, Dorsey? I'm doing well, Lori. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I want to call you Darcy for some reason, so if I do, I apologize. Well, it's because we have somebody we know named Darcy. Ah, yeah. well, you know, that could be a death sentence, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I have to apologize for giggling when she said conscious co-parenting because for some reason I thought she was going to say unconscious co-parenting. <laughs> and I was just oh. waiting on her to say it. <laughs> it's because I mix well, up my words all the time. Well, sometimes it is unconscious co-parenting <laughs> that we have rolling through our doors, unconscious um, co-parents. So it wouldn't be a inaccurate word to use. Um, the goal, obviously, is to get them to be conscious co-parents. <laughs> We had to have you on here because when we talk about co-parenting, that is not something that I do with my ex. We parallel parent mm. and we do it very well. <laughs> awesome. Parallel parenting is a form of co-parenting because co just means two, right? So you have two parents following a parallel plan. So it, it is still co-parenting. It's just a different version of it or one version of it. Yeah. Look at there. I do co-parent. Yeah. You do. Actually, See? actually, they agree on everything. They just agree to disagree. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, perfect. <laughs> it's you stay on your side of the road. I'll stay on mine. <laughs> exactly. Hey, listen, conscious co-parenting sometimes is the parallel parenting plan. So not only are you parenting, you're co-parenting consciously. So good for you, Lori. Oh, thank you. I feel much better about myself. <laughs> we could just end the podcast here. Yep. Thanks, Dorsey. <laughs> All righty. How much is this going to cost? <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> One million. Get an invoice for the, the coaching call we just had. Exactly. I made you feel better. How much was that worth? <laughs> exactly. It's like that uh, Bob Newhart video that goes around when she goes into his office and she's like, you know, how much is my session going to be? He's like, you know, it's $350 or whatever. And he's like, she gives her a little thing going on. He's like, great, stop it. She's like, excuse me. He's like, just stop it. And he's like, all right, well, that'll be $350. So great. (laughs) Oh man. Brilliant. Yes. No, I was going to say, what are we talking about today? Today, we want to talk to you about parental alienation. All right. What are we going to talk about parental alienation? What do you want to know? <laughs> well, I want to know all the stuff. We have um, people that we know have experienced this, and it's so sad. Mm. It is. So parental alienation is an urban term. So I just want to start off by saying that because 
I like to use the proper clinical terms, but most people know it as parental alienation if they're experiencing it and they're trying to figure out how to solve it. So parental alienation for your listeners who don't know is where one parent interferes with the relationship of the children and the other parent causes an emotional cutoff. The children reject a normal range parent and sometimes go decades without contact with their parent. Um, it's really child psychological abuse that is the proper terminology. And um, But for today and on your show, we'll call it parental alienation and the consequences of that. We can talk about that and, and I'll even give some things, some tips that people can use um, to be preventative, to try to reunite with their children, things they could do to um, kick the door open. And then since this is Nacho Kids, I have a feeling that a lot of your audience is probably the step or what I like to call the bonus parent. No, do not say bonus. (laughs) Why not? It's like a booby prize. A booby booby prize. (laughs) I'm not a bonus. We can call them the the booby pet, the booby parent, <laughs> girl in Nacho Land. Bonus oh. parent is a no, no. Oh, really? Yes. And we're trying to wow. we're trying to remove the whole parent word, period, because or it, mom or dad. Yeah, it gives it gives people the illusion that they have some type of role to play as a parent, ah, which causes right. problems a lot of times. I totally agree. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a, a step parent guide called Stepping In, and um, the the title obviously is like, oh yeah, okay, that's for me. But the content is really about what you just talked about, which is you know you're not really stepping in as a parent. You're you're stepping into the children's lives, and you get to be a container, as I call it, of unconditional love. And there's no such thing as too much love in a child's life. But it's important to know your role. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, the step parent, the 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 new spouse can create a trigger event that creates alienation in the family. So, or the, the onset or the ending of a relationship between the targeted beloved chosen parent is what I like to call them. But the, the chosen parent, the targeted parent is the person that is experiencing the emotional cutoff with the children. And oftentimes when a, a, a spouse marries a new spouse, that is a trigger. So it causes a lot of consternation for the old spouse, especially if there's borderline or narcissistic personality disorders or the traits. So they get triggered into their fear of rejection and abandonment or in the narcissistic level, the fear of, you know, their own self-loathing. I don't want you to see um, who I really am. So all that stuff gets triggered in and so oftentimes the step parent is the one that's actually causing the, or I, I say that loosely in air quotes, causing the, um, the, it's the trigger that causes the, the inflation of the alienating behavior in the pathogenic parent. Does that make sense? Yes. We know a couple that the stepmom is being blamed for everything that's gone wrong and why the kids don't want anything to do with their dad because he created this new family with her. Of course. 
So you're probably dealing with um, a mom, a bio mom who has, you know, some personality disorder traits. And however, the relationship ended between the spouses, that's the ending of a relationship or a marriage, but it's never the ending of a family. And, but if there's there, if there's triggered jealousy or triggered emotion that hasn't been healed or processed, then that, that it's very easy that that parent, that the step parent gets blamed for um, all the transgressions or all of the reasons that the old marriage didn't work. So, um, or everything was great until you married that person. Mm-hmm. And I always say with those kind, that level of pathology and those kinds of families that the issue is never the issue and enough is never enough. And so I watch parents twist themselves, targeted parents twist themselves into pretzels. And then the um, oftentimes I'll see step parents, usually moms will step in and try to control everything. And they try to save their new beloved. They try to fix everything in the, the old family dynamic. And that causes a lot of chaos and a lot of problems. So I see everything from that to, you know, a passive step parent, um, but most of the time I see more when there's a lot of problems, it's a, it's a more assertive stepmom who really has a desire to have, you know, healthy relationships and sometimes can't see her contribution, right, to what's happening in the old family. And that oftentimes, I mean, I work on a lot of cases like that where I have the mom and the stepmom fighting it out and the dad will kind of fall into the background, right? He kind of (laughs) lets them do all the dirty work, right? Let's the stepmom do all of his bidding for him. And, (laughs) and he, he's probably experiencing alienation already. Then he brings in a new partner and she's, you know, all gung ho and loves him and wants to fix things. And he just kind of allows that to happen which causes a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, they start out thinking they're the proxy, but they end up being the scapegoat. Yes, exactly. Are you secretly in my nacho group? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> because we see that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the step parents trying to fix something they didn't break in the first place. Exactly. And then they're trying to force it together and it just creates a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they also secretly want to be loved by the children and adored by the children. And when you're dealing with this family dynamic, you know, um, alienated children can't really be in that space with a t- step parent. And then the step parent gets their feelings heard and they take it personally. And then they try to fix that. And then they try to enact some sort of control over the child and you need to respect me and all of these things. And we go round and round and round. So when you're in that relationship, it's not just with your partner. Now you're having these same relationship issues, even with the children, because, because as step parents, we want something from the children. And even if we say, no, I'm okay with that. It's human nature to want to bond and connect, especially with kids. You know, um, I'm in a blended family. You know, I have two children of my own and my husband has two children that were alienated. So, you know, while I dealt with alienation in my family, I was an alienated child. And then my children were being alienated when I started my company was really to create 
a solution because I went out to try and solve this problem for my own family in both directions with my dad and with my children. And there was really no solution. Nobody had any idea what to do about it. There were lots of, in quotes, experts, but they were experts in this problem called parental alienation, which really wasn't a diagnosable thing. And there was all this fighting and splitting going on, lots of pathology in the community and no solution. And I'm like, well, my dad's dying. I got to solve this. And my kids are starting to to reject me. That's not going to happen. So, you know, I'm a very nurturing, loving, you know, all up in your personal space kind of person. And that's the way I've always parented where my husband, he's much more cool, calm, cool, and collected. He's, he's more detached, and, and his ex-wife is very detached, and his children are just not huggy, kissy people. They just aren't. I mean, when I hug his kids, it's like hugging. Have you ever seen the movie Step Brothers? You know, they're yeah. kind of like all, it's like that. And I'm like, what is wrong with your children, right? And it turns out it's just the way they were raised. And because they were so alienated when I came onto the scene, you know, I immediately was like, oh, I know what's going on. Here's what you do to fix it, right? And <laughs> I wanted to like fix everything even for my husband. And, um, you know, there was a point where it was really a, a breaking point for us where I was like, listen, you need to step up to the plate. It, these aren't my children. I have my own children. I have my own stuff to deal with over here. You need to deal with your side of the aisle. Like you need to clean up your mess. Here are all the tools and resources. You can either pick it up and listen to it. You can pick up the tools and use them or not, but I'm not going to do that work. And that was really hard to do because it's really hard to watch somebody you love suffer and have a solution for them, but know that you can't fix it. And so that's how I know just from personal experience and also doing this work that as a step parent, I get it. I want to fix everything too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like anything. It's like dealing with addiction, right? You may have a child or a spouse that's an addict and you want to fix it, but ultimately they need to fix their own stuff, right? And doesn't matter how much you want something for somebody else. It's the same thing with alienation or any kind of conflict and divorce. So I always say for the step parents, there's lots of things that you can be doing. One of the greatest gifts I think I gave to myself and I teach in our, a lot of our classes is to be the soft place for your beloved to land. That's your role. Mm-hmm. And You can create that soft place to land for the children as well, but it's different. Be more of a role model and a mentor if it's accepted. And you, it, well, you should always be a role model, even if it's not accepted, because you always wanting to lead the children to, to behaving better without, you know, saying, this is what I'm teaching you today. (laughs) Today I'm going to role model conscious communication. No, it's not how we do that. But (laughs) yeah, we often tell the step parents because they're like, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. I'm like, quit trying, be yourself and they will see how awesome you are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, my Rob and I've been together since 2009 and his son is our youngest. So he's turning 19 next month and he just moved not that far. He's pretty close, um, you know, an hour South to college. And I hugged him goodbye. Now I've been very involved. I, you know, I took him when he played soccer away and stuff, but I hugged him and his dad took him to school. And, um, you know, I was like, I love you, which I always say to him, but he actually gave me the most sincere hug back. And he said, I love you too. And they left and I was like, oh, 
I love you too. And, you know, he just doesn't, he never says that to me. And it's just different. My kids are very affectionate. They love my husband, but his kids just aren't like that. And I had to, I had to reconcile that within myself because I'm a kid person. So it was like, why aren't my stepkids like that? Why don't they like love and adore me? Like all the other kids. Yeah. Right? What's and wrong with them? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with them? And then it's like, what's wrong with me? I got to do things differently. And you know, no, I have to let go of the reins. Yeah. I think it's also important. I'm going to say this here. And then Dave, I know you had something you wanted to say, but I'm just going to hijack your podcast. Um, <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, how important it is to be respectful and kind to and about the other parent, especially if they're pathogenic, if they're really off the rails, um, you know, having the right vernacular and language and being that container for the kids is really, really important. Because as a step parent, you may be the only safe harbor for the children. And so you can be a safe harbor without being a parent, even though you're a step parent, right? By giving the child the place to communicate that's safe and that you're not going to ally with the child to throw the other parent under the bus. I see a lot of step parents thinking that, oh, the child's coming to me and now I have this role. It's very, very critical to not get into the, yeah, your mom or yeah, your dad, you know, they do these terrible things. It's very, very, very important to not do that, even if it's true. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. The bio mom is telling the child, your dad um, cheated on me. That's why we're not together. And he was abusive and all this nonsense. And it's Mm -hmm. not true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does the dad... I don't want to say have the right, but is it wrong for him to address that with the children when they bring it up and say, well, mommy said that, you know, you were a hoe dog and that's why y'all aren't together. (laughs) Is it okay for him to say, that's not how I saw things? Or you don't want to say your mama's a liar, obviously. She's a bold-faced liar. (laughs) No, you don't want to say that. I know that much. You don't want to say that. But you also don't want to lie to these kids or let them be lied to. You know what I'm saying? Oh, such, I love it when people ask me questions like this on their podcasts. So let me answer that. Okay. <laughs> um, if you feel like you're standing in a defensive position and you have to defend yourself, stop. Because that's exactly where the pathogenic parent wants you, destabilized and defensive. So even if it's not true, then that doesn't mean that you now need to write the ship and explain everything to the child. The moment you do that, you're putting the child in the middle, just like the other parent. And so what you do instead is you foster critical thinking skills in the child. You start to teach them to wire their brain properly by thinking for themselves appropriately. So what happens a lot of times in these families is these kids become little minor birds of pathogenic parents, and they start to believe delusions. And then targeted chosen parents want to defend themselves and their position. But it's really none of the child's business. It has nothing to do with the child. So if it's something between spouses, it stays or ex-spouses, it stays there. And the moment you engage the child in the dialogue of defense, you're pulling the child in the middle and you're reinforcing the delusion that the child somehow has a say in the matter. Okay? Okay. So what 
Does that make sense? Yes. So mm-hmm. far, are you trucking? I'm right. trucking. So <laughs> what you do instead is you 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 say very simple things like, wow, that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's huh. the other way of saying, your mama's a bold-faced liar. <laughs> right. That's an interesting perspective. You're not agreeing or disagreeing. You're just saying that's an interesting perspective. Right. When the child goes, did you cheat on mom? The answer is simple. No. Or no. And that's between mom and I, and mom and I can talk about that. How does it make you feel that this conversation is being had with you? Help them identify their emotions separate from mom and separate from you. Okay. Okay. That makes sense? Yes. So you're separating the child out of whatever the the content is, right? The content is not relevant to the child. Right. If it's relevant to the child, like, hey, you know, you don't feed me when I'm at your house and it's just rubbish, right? Then Then you say to the child, wow, or, you know, mom says you don't feed me when I'm at your house. Oh, that's interesting. Is that what you experience? So how how do you handle it when the, the child is being confrontational? So instead of saying mom said that the marriage ended because you cheated, what if the child comes up and, and says, why did you cheat on mom? Is it still the same response? Yeah. Oh, uh, you can. It's okay to say, oh, I didn't cheat on mom. Right. Mm-hmm. And just leave it at that. It, you can just say that. And if the child wants to be in conflict with you, um, then this response is the same. Well, that's obviously a concern your mom has, and I'd be happy to have that conversation with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So mom says you cheated on her. Well, it's just simply not true. Right. So it's okay to say to the child, it's not true and move on. Sometimes kids, when they come, if they're still transitioning between homes and they alienated kids will come home and to your house and they'll dump all this toxic wasteland, some things don't require a response. So sometimes you just let the kid empty their container, even if they're caustic and confrontational, let them empty, I call it the proverbial trash can, open up your trash can, put in one of those really good smell good liners, those glad smell good liners, (laughs) visualize holding that garbage can open, right? And let the child dump all the rubbish in because the child's been experiencing all this rubbish. It's delusional and not true. The moment you start to defend yourself, you get in conflict and you're keeping the child in the middle. Just let them empty, right? Empty the rubbish. And then when they're done, it's okay to say nothing. If you feel like you have to say something, you can simply say, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, I, I, I appreciate you um, sharing your perspective. It's important for me that you feel safe and comfortable to come to me with anything. Even if it's something like this, I want you to know you can talk to me about anything, right? You're not right. agreeing. You're not disagreeing. You're just simply letting the child know that you're the safe place for them to land. That's what that means. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. I do have to say that I'm laughing when you say rubbish. Oh, <laughs> that's my British girl. Sometimes she comes out. <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering if the British, because, you know, a minute ago we had you speaking in a British accent before we started recording. So I'm like, I wonder if it just hung around and she's like, rubbish. Sometimes I like to say rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you explain what pathogenic is? Yes. 
So pathogenic is the technical term for uh, um, psychological, psychologically abusing a child. So pathogenic could be a parent with a personality disorder. Um, what pathogenic parents do, so the, the, um, or the, the effect of pathogenic parenting is three diagnostic symptoms that show up in the children. So the first is an attachment system suppression. So a emotional cutoff between a normal range parent and the child. And when I say normal range, you could have parenting flaws because everybody does. You're not an abusive parent. You're a normal range parent. And maybe something gets blown out of proportion. Generally with these kids, they're so caustic and disrespectful and rude that it triggers whatever in the targeted parent. And so they try to enact authority and control and, and garner respect from the child. Um, and so then that gets used against them. But um, anyways, the symptomology in the child is the child has an attachment dysfunction. So they had a normal range relationship with the parent and then now they're uh, completely emotionally cutting off the parent. They're rejecting the parent. So the old school of thought is that, well, they're not alienated if they're still coming on your parenting time. That's just simply not true. Lots of alienated children will move back and forth between the homes and still treat their targeted parent, their chosen parent, with disrespect, with rudeness. They'll go to their room and spend the whole weekend in their room. They'll bring a backpack full of food, you know, from one the other parent's house. Uh, they... They exclude the targeted parents from like their little league games and all that kind of stuff. Um, the other symptom is the personality disorder traits. So the split in the family, mom is all good, dad is all bad. Then mom's, it starts to spread infectiously throughout all of mom's side of the family and, and friends and we, we have um, kids that we deal with that, that will reje reject the family dog. You know, the dog that they've had for five years, they split and the dog goes to mom. And now all of a sudden the dog is a pariah. Um, and then the, that's the second diagnostic symptom. There's 2A and 2B. 2B is more like um, a mother phobia or a father phobia. I can't go on. I'm, I'm just simply not safe there. They have an, a, a delusional fear of being at mom's house or dad's house, the targeted parent's house. And then the third symptom is, is really an encapsulated persecutory delusion. So they hold a fixed and false belief, and it's usually shared um, with the pathogenic parent, a fixed and false belief about the targeted parent being the all abusive, terrible parent, and the other parent being all, you know, good and angelic parent never does anything bad. Now, some gray areas that a lot of experts like to say, and I look at a lot of mental health reports where they miss the boat, they'll have all the diagnostic symptoms, but they won't pop properly diagnose a child. Some of the things they'll say, well, I interviewed Joey and he says he doesn't hate his dad, but he doesn't want to spend any time with him and he's just not ready for a relationship. And then the child will say, you know, because he stopped coming to my games or he's not nice to me or he doesn't play with me when I'm at his house or, I mean, it's just, they're all over the place, right? It's delusional. So um, don't be fooled into believing that a child who has the symptomology is a child who says, a, a, strictly a child who says, I hate the other parent, because oftentimes they'll say, no, I love my dad, but I don't want to have a relationship with him. It's delusional. Right. right? 
Does that make sense? Yes. So what if you have a child and the child goes to the other parents every other weekend and every other weekend they work on projects all weekend, you know, and the child is, say, 10 years old. So, of course, the child does not want to do those things. They don't want to have to be outside working in the heat all day and they want to play on their computer for a little while or just watch TV. Paint that fence, Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if the child says, well, I don't want to go over there because I have to do work all the time or we don't spend time together, I can't be a kid. Mm-hmm. How would you address that? Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. Have you addressed that issue with your dad? Wow, that sounds like an interesting um, dilemma you have at dad's house. How can I support you in having a conversation with dad, period, or with dad on this concern? Have you talked to dad? It's not about allying with the child. It's about teaching the child to resolve conflict. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have conflict all the time. We don't simply agree with the child, even if we agree with the child, even if we think that the other parent is parenting terribly and how dare they make the child do projects and blah, blah, blah. You know, children lie in case anybody is wondering. Children lie all the time. What? Not my precious youngins. Not my precious babies. Maybe your kids lie, Dorsey, but (laughs) mine doesn't. Of course, right. (laughs) Yes. So children will say things to a parent that they think that the parent wants to hear. And parents will say, well, I don't want to hear that. I'm like, well, you may not want to hear that, but your child thinks that you do. So um, people say, well, I'm not an alienating parent because I'm not bad-mouthing the other parent. Well, that's not alienation. I mean, it could be a component of it, but it's not all what of what's happening. So a child, you know, my kids, one of my kids hates school. So every morning was always a drag. You know, I don't want to go to school now. I'm like, yeah, but you're going, you know. And then she even would try to get bad grades, right? And I'm like, well, the ultimate punishment for yourself is having bad grades. Because if you want to go to college, you need to have decent grades to get in. And that was, I don't want to go to college. I'm like, all right, well, even in life, you still have to perform, right? So what what are you trying to get at? There's obviously something underneath that's not being met. How can I support you in discovering what that is? So you mean to tell me that you wouldn't fire off some mean email to your ex? No. (gasps) David, remember she does the co-parenting, how to love each other, the kind of thing. Uh, Okay, okay. Um, (laughs) you, You would not, no, you would believe. How much, how much time that I spent responding, or excuse me, defending myself in emails to my ex when mm. <laughs> when we first got divorced? Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. She would, um, she was great at it though. She would send an email, and it would the first sentence would be probably what we really needed to talk about, and then the rest of it would be categorically blaming me for all this other stuff, which you know. My response, mm-hmm. as incorrect as it was, my response was to get categorically defend every single line item thing she threw at me. <laughs> and then finally, I got smart about it, and I would just respond with, okay. <laughs> Perfect. That's such a dad response, by the way, like defend, 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 defend. Yeah, I mean, like I would I would literally re- reply and then put my response up under the part of her email 
so that she knew exactly what I was responding to. Mm-hmm. It was it was insane what I did. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, it's to, exhausting. Yeah, I know it was. And it took hours to, to craft these emails. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I, we deal with that every single day. People come to us and they're like, what should I say? I'm like, nothing. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that requires my favorite tool, NRN, no response needed. Welcome to the party. I call it the disengagement party. Are you ready to have some fun? It's time to disengage. Stop engaging because the more you engage, the more they enrage. And the moment you disengage, you're giving yourself your life and your freedom back. And so many parents will continue to engage and then they'll call me. I'm like, why are you calling me? Well, this happened, this happened. I'm like, that's the same thing that's happened 50 times. I don't care. So what are you going to do differently? Why don't you call me when you implement something different like the NRN? Give yourself your life back. You're getting something from it if you're still engaging. And it's the it's the thrill of the response. It's the innate di- desire to be right. Our lower self, part of our consciousness that is unconscious, wants to be right at all costs and will get in the defend cycle. I'm right. And I'm going to write this email and it's going to be a novel and I'm going to run it through spell check. And then I'm going to run it through Grammarly because I don't want anybody (laughs) to see how stupid I am sometimes because I suck at grammar and, you know, on and on and on and on. And I'm going to sleep on it and I'm going to write more. It happens all the time. Well, Dorsey, though, don't you know when something's not working, it's because you're not doing it hard enough. You should do it more (laughs) and harder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Why can't I lose weight? It might be donut day. That might be killing your weight loss plan. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's shocking how many people, and I've been guilty of this, but it's shocking how many people will will find something that's not working and double down on it, thinking I, that I they're know. not trying hard enough. I'm like, no, you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> you're great at doing the wrong thing in an immaculate fashion, but let's go in the right direction and let's put that much effort into it. Exactly. I always ask people when they call us and if I'm on an enrollment call and they'll yammer on for about five minutes and then I'll stop them and say, I'm just going to stop you because I could finish your story for you. I've heard it a million times. So I'm like, I just have one question. What do you want? They're like, dead silence. Always dead silence. Like, what do you mean? What do I want? I'm like, what do you want? What do you mean? I'm like, well, why are you calling me? What do you want? You call my institute for a reason. What do you want? And it's like such a pattern interrupt for so many people because they, they've told their story a million times. Nobody understands it. They've seen me on a podcast or a video or heard me on a podcast and, they, and they're like, oh, this lady gets it. I got to explain to her what's going on in my life. But you don't have to explain it to me because I've lived it and I've solved it and I've helped hundreds of people, thousands of people actually. So it's like you know, what do you want? Are you ready to do everything it takes to get there? And if not, then this isn't the place for you, right? Mm -hmm. Because we aren't going to sit and just listen to the story. If you need to emote and tell your story, get a therapist. They're really good at listening. (laughs) And so go talk to the therapist about your story and don't expect them to solve it, right? Mm -hmm. That they're going to talk about the story with you. Feel free unless you get a family systems therapist who's really interested in solving things, you know, but in the end we're about solving it. So people, sometimes I say to people, come back when you know what you want. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about whether we can help you or not. Yeah. And 
you know, sometimes people don't come back for a couple of years until their children are completely cut off. And then they say, I wish I would have talked to you. I wish I would have hired you two years ago. I'm like, I wish you would have too, because that would have been easier, but mm-hmm. we are where we are. You know, You know, the pain has to be at a threshold that makes them want to do something about it. I created a program called Higher Purpose Parenting for this very reason, because Higher Purpose Parenting takes parents through mm-hmm. a journey of really cleaning and healing the little micro traumas that they have from their childhood that brought them into the relationship that they brought children into. And we have children to wake us up to our unconscious parts. The children are there to really help us heal. But most parents don't really understand the parent-child dynamic. And so they, when they feel out of control, they want to enact control over their children. And children push our buttons to wake us up. But most of the time, we don't know that and we ignore that. And in Higher Purpose Parenting, we really walk the, the parent through the process of really cleaning those little micro traumas, the little stories, I call them the negative data loops that zip around in their head and cause them to go into the emotional spin zone with regards to their children. And, and it's really powerful in this family dynamic because they're really entrenched in their stories when they're dealing with alienation. So alienation really brings out the worst in all parents, even good parents. I mean, divorce really brings it out. And and then alienation really anchors in our story. So, you know, for a lack of other resources, I created something so that it made it easier for parents to consume other things that we do that they really need in order to be able to see, oh, I can do these other things now. I can gather my data and and um, get into the legal battle if I have to, although I try to get people to avoid that as much as possible, or getting prepared for the high road. Sometimes people come to our high road, which is our four-day intensive and reunification. It gets court-ordered all over the world. And, you know, they haven't seen their child in a decade. I have a, a gentleman right now who his child was abducted and he's coming into our workshop and he hasn't really had any parenting time. They just recovered the child a few years ago and he disappeared again um, for over a decade, almost 13 years. Hmm. So, you know, talk about a parental deficiency, right? There's massive grief that has been unresolved and left open. And then um, all the woulda, shoulda, couldas, right? That go on in our mind with those automatic thoughts that we have already, right? That just being human. So higher purpose parenting really helps them clean their side of the aisle or their side of the mirror, whatever you want to call it, so that they can get prepared for their child to fold back in. The recovery of the children, that's the easy part. The parents are harder than the kids. So I always tell the parents that and they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually they go, oh, you were right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) My sister had um, a child and her husband took the child to his mom's for, you know, the summer, for a week in the summer or whatever, and never brought her back. Mm. And my sister, it was a different state. So my sister would go there. They would basically say, you don't have a court order saying who has custody. Mm. Because there was no court order, you know. No court order. So they would threaten to arrest her for trespassing. Mm. Needless to say, she didn't have the money to get an attorney. Going through with attorneys across state lines is a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. 
of course, the child has been taught that my sister was crazy and insane and all this stuff. My sister died without seeing her kid. Oh, that's awful. And I tried so hard to help facilitate a reunion kind of thing, mm-hmm. like me talking to the dad and then me saying, you know, why don't y'all come over and get comfortable and let me get comfortable with her and then I can take her to see Dawn for a little while. And that was kind of my plan. Well, mm-hmm. he is a compulsive liar, so, you know, you could never believe anything he said. He would call my mm-hmm. sister and say, I'm bringing her to see you. And my sister would get so excited. He would even call her and say, this is where I am on the road and never oh. show up. Cruel. Yeah. Yeah. She would sit there all dressed up, makeup, the whole nine yards, and sit there looking out the window for hours. Mm. Yeah. It, it's so, Where's so her child now? Well, when he took the child to the mother, to his mother, that's who ended up raising her, mm. not him. She's lived mm-hmm. with him, the grandmother, basically. And I did try to reach out to her after my sister died. And, you know, I was told what a piece of crap we all are. But, um, and I did see the child once. He brought her over here one time. And, you know, it, it wasn't really awkward. It was just kind of weird, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But I think. How long ago was that? How long ago did your sister pass? Three years ago. Oh, wow. And how old is her daughter now? 17. Mm. She didn't see her for 11 years. Wow. Yeah. And that was the one wish she had was to see her kid again before she died. I have tried to reach out to her, and the grandmother always steps in and pushes back. So I was like, I'm done. I'm I'm not arguing with this old woman. (laughs) And, you know, when the child gets older, if she wants to reach out to me, she knows how to. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that experience parental alienation come to that point, too, where Mm -hmm. they get tired of being rejected or verbally abused or whatever, and they go, you know what, I'm just going to back off, and then they can get in touch with me if they want to. But when we talk to people that are experiencing the parental alienation, my first thing to them is don't give up. Don't stop Mm -hmm. reaching out to them. Don't stop sending them a birthday card just because they didn't acknowledge the last 20. Don't stop acknowledging them at Christmas because you are still their parent and that's what you want to do, but do it without any expectations. Bingo. Unconditional love is loving without expectations. It's a very painful one-way street until it isn't. And I agree with you. And it's funny that you're saying, and yet here is this child who clearly you care about, or you would never have brought her up. And um, it, she's not experiencing that. She's experiencing half of who she is, is to be rejected. So while she was cut off, emotionally cut off from half of her lineage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she internalizes that as half of her, half of who she is, is bad. So she's trying to reject herself and, you know, kids that go through this family dynamic and grow up, they get angry when their parents walk away and they say, you know, but I, I say all kinds of things when I was young, my brain wasn't developed. And why did you just let me go? And if it was so bad, if my mom is so abusive or my dad was so abusive, why did you leave me there? Right. And a parent might say, well, I fought as hard as I could, but the system is broken. And, um, but kids don't care about that. They want to know that you love them no matter what. And I, 
I talk to parents all the time who say all the time, I love my child unconditionally. And I say, great. How are you showing that to your child? Well, they don't talk to me. And I'm like, I'm not asking about what they're doing for you. I'm asking, what are you doing for them? Mm -hmm. And well, I tell them I miss them and I send them these text messages and all I am is a wallet to them. I'm like, well, tell me a little bit about that. And then they go on to tell me all the things that they've done financially for their children and how ungrateful they are (laughs) and how they talk to their child about that. And I'm like, huh? So you act like a wallet. So they treat you like a wallet. And then you go round and round and round and you stop that up in the first place. And now you want to jump off the merry-go-round, but the child doesn't know any better because you're the one who taught them that in the first place. Because remember, you're always the parent. (laughs) You're the parent. So, And they're like, no, but the other parent, I'm like, and you, there's two of you. And yes, pathogenic parents, they're really hard to co-parent with. Ask me how I know. I've been doing it for a very long time. So I get it. And you brought children into the world with that parent. Don't remind us. I know. (laughs) Well, you did too. Right. We all did. And you made that choice and, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) love it or lump it. That's the choice you made. Mm -hmm. And so what are you going to do to be the best parent you can be and to be the best mentor for your children and to lead them out of the dynamic or the pathology so that it ends in this generation, mm. that they don't have to experience it with their own children, right? So teach them how to be out of that and how to be in relationship with all kinds of people. Because the truth is, pathogenic people, narcissistic borderline people, whether they have the diagnosis or the traits, they're everywhere, <laughs> literally everywhere. They're at school. Every they're everywhere. Yeah. They're ev- they're literally everywhere. That's that's all Lori used to date. <laughs> well, Dave. No. <laughs> okay. Well, you know they're on this podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're all the step parents that we teach in the Nacho Kids Academy. All their exes are narcissistic. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> As soon as somebody gets married or divorced, their beloved becomes a narcissist if you're if it's a man and a borderline if it's a mom. I, I can t- I cannot tell you how many people are convinced that their ex is a narcissist. And it's like, <laughs> no, they're not. And you know, and and they may have some traits, but they're not a full-blown narcissist. And trust me, I know. We we tag timelines and data, we know what a narcissist looks like. And it's not your everyday divorced parent, and even parents that um, may badmouth the other parent and even have some alienating behaviors, most kids can withstand some of that stuff. So kids can stand, withstand some bad mouthing. You, you know, your dad is an idiot. He's driving me crazy, you, right? You'll get that in a normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So it's not that that causes the emotional cutoff. Right. So, you know, it, and it's, it's important to understand that because a lot of pathogenic parents are very crafty. So they'll say, it's not me. It's the child. They don't want to go. I'm not saying anything. I haven't said anything negative, but they're saying things like, how was it at dad's house? Oh, it was good. Oh, you had fun. And the kid's looking for the cues, right? Well, I mean, you know, it was okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's just okay. Well, what'd you do? We played cards and, you know, we went to the beach. Oh, God, it was such a hot weekend this weekend. And you were at the beach. Did you wear sunscreen? 
No, mommy, that's why my arms are peeling in red. Yeah, I'm burning. What? You didn't wear sunscreen? Your dad didn't put sunscreen on you? I'm going to text him right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm, that sounds familiar. Right. So it wasn't your dad is an ass, right? It was all implied. And the child picks up those cues, right? Mm-hmm. So the next time it's, <laughs> I was at dad's house. Mom, can you believe it? Dad made me empty the dishwasher twice this weekend. <gasps> what? You know, how dare he? <laughs> you know? But we see this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see crazy stuff. Dad made me go to Disneyland again this weekend. <laughs> That's all he ever does for the parents who live in Southern California or Orlando. Mm-hmm. You know, they have an, you only got an annual pass because you don't really want to parent me. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. When my son was little, um, his dad and I weren't together when he was born. And so, you know, I had to, we had to do exchanges at a young age and I would pick my son up and with the lovely parallel parenting that his dad and I did, I didn't want to ask his dad if he had eaten because mm-hmm. it would be, you know, my God, don't you think I know? You know, whatever. So anyway. <laughs> is, that, I, is that how he talks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. My God. Okay. Anyway. No, you got to add more syllables. <laughs> yeah. So I would ask my son and I would say, did you eat supper? Yep. And I'd say, would you eat eggs? Every time I asked him what he ate, it was eggs. And I'm like, this guy is only feeding my kid eggs. To me, I'm thinking, that's all he's feeding my baby. I never realized how much my kid liked eggs. I don't like eggs, so I never fixed them. So apparently when he was at his daddy's, like, woo, I get to eat eggs all weekend. Because, you know, when he got older, he's in there cooking eggs every day. Perspectives. I love it. Yes. (laughs) That's a great, I thank you for sharing that story because that's so brilliant. It is a perspective and we frequently, not just in this family dynamic, but in life, make assumptions about what things mean without further investigation or gathering more information. So I love that. Turns out your son just wanted to eat eggs yeah. and it, w- it wasn't a parental deficiency. It was that that's what he wanted. And very funny. We see a lot of stepmoms that do this too. And it's one of the things that we teach in the academy is changing your perspective. When yeah. you met your husband, it was, oh, he's such a good dad. Look at him spending time with his kids. And oh, he wiped her little mouth when she had mustard on it. And then mm-hmm. when you get married, it's, he don't ever spend time with me. He's always spending time with his kids. And look at him just wiping her mouth like she's <laughs> incompetent herself. And, she's just a little princess. Yeah. <laughs> we change our perspective. and But you can change it back to the other way, too. It, 100%. I love it. That's so true. Mm-hmm. We teach that a lot, too. We talk about that quite a bit. And and we have a lot of step-parents that come to the workshop because everybody participates except for the pathogenic parent. They participate in maintenance care when the family gets home. But during the workshop, it's the it's the chosen targeted parent, the step parent if there is one, step siblings if they're if they're minors, and then the kids. And uh, frequently the step parent is the most challenging in the workshop what? because they're <laughs> losing their power that they didn't have in the first place. That they didn't have in the first place. And um, they also are the ones who cause lots of um, setbacks because they want to emote 
right? So one of our workshop rules is a moratorium on the past. We cease fire. It's done. There's nothing we can do about it. What's done is done. It doesn't matter. It's over. So we're going to wrap that up in a nice little package and we're going to send it down the river. And we're going to pick up where we are right now and we're going to learn skills and we're going to move forward. And um, life as you know it is over. We're living in the new family paradigm. And you know, the step parents can't help themselves. They always say some snarky thing and, you know, they, because, <laughs> because they're butthurt about something. Right. And they want to bring it up. And I'm like, uh, moratorium. And they keep talking. I'm like, moratorium, moratorium, um, excuse me, moratorium. Uh, do we need a break? Like, what are you doing? And they also got very triggered, both parent, the parent and the step parent, when the authentic child enters the room, which is usually around lunch the second day. And the authentic child is the child, right? The mm-hmm. child who is no longer that sneering, venomous, you know, distorted looking face, angry kid. Like the, the child is free. The pathology has been lifted and the child is back, right? The mm-hmm. child that was wonderful before the emotional cutoff and parents experience a feeling of um, it's like a, the feeling that a spouse has when a spouse cheats or is doing drugs and then they go to rehab or they go to therapy and they're like, I'm never going to do that again. They've cleaned up their addiction and they come back, but the left behind spouse is paranoid Mm -hmm. and then all like, well, why weren't you like that all along? And, you know, I got to look at all your stuff and they're all, you know, they're all non-trusting and, and there's not that much help for them. Right. So the targeted parents go through that same experience when the authentic child enters the room, like, well, wait a second, where have you been for the last three years? Why, why did you treat me this way? And it was, and then they don't trust it. So they start to spin off the rails and they don't trust the process and they sabotage. So that's where higher purpose parenting comes in. It's like, do this work before you get here, clean up your side of the aisle, clean up your side of the mirror, clean up your container, because you need to have an empty container, a clean slate when we get to the workshop, because your child is relying on you to be the leader of the family. So you need to be the leader, you're the parent. And it's it happens every single time. Yeah. And you know, they just, they can't help themselves and it's just human nature. Right. So, um, but we always get back on track and we keep on swimming and the kids are always easy. They're, they're amazing. Even the most horrible, snarky, hateful kids. The truth is kids love their parents. And if that a parent is an abusive parent, the children just want the abuse to stop. Mm -hmm. They don't want to lose a parent. If you've ever worked in child protective services, those kids you know, they'll lie for their parent all the time. Oh, I got this black eye because I ran into the doorknob. Mm-hmm. Dude, you're like six two. Oh, well, you know, I was walking on my, I was having my hands and knees and it's like, huh? Well, this isn't a cigarette burn. This is where, oh, well it is, but I, I ran into the cigarette really <laughs> 10 times. Wow. You really are klutzy. You know, I yeah. mean, they lie because they love their parents. And so we have to, if a child says they're abused, we always investigate, right? We investigate we look at the facts and we should protect all abused children all of the time. Psychologically abused children should have this warrant the same protection as physically abused children and sexually abused children. Psychological abuse actually destroys the child from the inside out. It doesn't leave visible marks. It leaves psychological marks. Right. Dorsey, when I talked to you, what did we figure three and a half years ago? Mm Mm-hmm. David had met you and your husband at some kind of conference he was at. Mm-hmm. 
and he comes <laughs> home and he's like, you've got to get in touch with this lady. And so when you and I connected, I remember us talking and it was like, you and I were on the same page with the whole, what we now call the nacho thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as far as the step parent, knowing their role, them not being the parent, letting the parent parent, quit being a snarky stepmom, quit trying to control <laughs> everything because you don't have control anyway. And mm-hmm. as you're talking about stuff, it's funny because you mentioned a clean slate. And that is one thing that we tell people, you have to give people a clean slate every day, whether it is your husband, he pushed your buttons the day before and waved his hand over your mess that you needed to clean up and said, what's this? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You get a little personal here. (laughs) (laughs) Then you need to give him a clean slate. And the same thing with your stepkids. It does nobody any good for you to bring yesterday's hurts into today. True, true. Yeah, I 100% agree. And once I learned to nacho and apply it to other aspects, it made my life so much less stressful. Yeah. Even as simple as driving down the road and somebody riding your butt. (laughs) Instead of it's, oh, they get ready to eat the butt end of a Honda, it's, okay, slow down, Speedy, and I'll just pull over and let them go ahead of me. Exactly. Yeah, and it's always so much better. Now, if I could just do something with my husband over here that's a button pusher, do you have a course (laughs) on that? (laughs) We do, but (laughs) the button pushing course. Is it for him or for the abused people from the button pushing? Well, step step one is to realize you have a problem, and step two is to want to get help. And I don't want help. Exactly. I'm comfortable being a button pusher. As a matter of fact, there's a bunch of people out there who enjoy that pastime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you won't like what I have to say, Lori, then. Oh, crap. I was going to say, yeah, I thought you were going to say, you're not going to like what I have to say, David. She's going to say, change your perspective. It's not my button pushing. It's how you view it. (laughs) It's right. This is where you, if you don't want to know how to um, take responsibility for things, you put your finger in your ears and go, nah, 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 nah. But the truth is, if the button is being pushed, it's yours. That means it's yours to resolve. So I always remind people, whoever has the upset emotions, that's their problem to solve or the thwarted um, goal. So if you you have a desire for something to be done and your goal isn't being met, then it's your problem to solve. So your buttons belong to you. Then he needs to leave them alone. That's right. Your buttons belong to you. You are invading my space. Dorsey, she wrote rolled her eyes at you when you were saying that. <laughs> well, what I was going to say was, you realize I edit these podcasts, right? <laughs> I, I know. So what you're saying, Lori, is it's going to be another three years before we speak again. Is that what I'm understanding? Nah, nah. She, we can't go that long again. She was staring at the ceiling, rolling her eyes, and mimicking the mocking of you as you spoke. I was not. Oh, it was terrible. Hey, look, you see <laughs> what he's doing. pathological splitting right yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. Okay, see, what would you call what he's doing now? He's lying on me. I call I call that splitting. He's trying to split you and I, and um, trying to create sides. Yes, yeah, that's right. So now Dorsey's on my side. She already was anyway. I'm just I'm just cementing the relationship. I'm cementing the relationship. Can can I talk to your husband? I don't like talking to you no more. Uh, Rob likes me too, so we're good. Oh, great. Everybody loves David. Everybody loves David. <laughs> I love you too, Lauren. Now we have an opener for the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, Dorsey, I did look up how 
to not get mad when somebody's pushing my buttons. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> I did. And here's the thing that makes me so mad about it is, I mean, I have worked really hard on the whole nacho method. It's, you know, not just the disengaging part. It's looking at things from a different perspective and mm-hmm. all that happy stuff and being more self-aware and pausing. And But there are certain things that he can do that is like somebody stuck a firecracker up my hand. <laughs> And I will be mad. I mean, livid. And he loves it. Dorsey, you know, I can tell you why I do it. I, I realized a few years ago that when she gets really, really mad, <laughs> she cleans like a banshee. <laughs> so when the house gets dirty, I just piss her off and she oh. cleans this house like, what's the girl's name? Florence from... From from the Brady Bunch, I mean, Alice. Alice, there you go. Alice. Florence. I was thinking about the. I'm thinking about uh, Mel's Diner flow. No, Florence. No, I'm thinking about uh, oh the Jeffersons. The Jeffersons. Yeah, the yeah. Jeffersons. <laughs> anyway, so that, that's why I do it. So there is a reason and a purpose to my madness. Hire of me. Go to the spa. Now that you know, just go to the spa. Yeah, go to the spa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just go to the spa. Yeah, then he'll clean up my mess and throw everything away. Yes, I yeah. will. Yeah. <laughs> I always have I always say stop and say where am I doing that? So whatever he's doing that's super annoying, ask yourself, why am I choosing to have this experience? What am I supposed to learn? And where am I doing that in my life? Why are you rolling what your you eyes? Mean, again? What do you mean where am I doing that? I'm not pushing where, nobody's buttons. Uh, mm, you're opening okay. the door for the buttons to be pushed. Right. Well, maybe it's not the but it's it's not that you're pushing other people's buttons. It's where are you doing whatever it is that he's doing that's pushing your button. Right. So like if you would keep the house clean, I wouldn't have to push your buttons. <laughs> Dorsey, do not respond. Well, She's my friend, though. We're cementing our relationship. <laughs> well, since you're telling me not to respond, I was going to respond for you. Oh, no, no, right, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Stop responding. Oh, no, no, we're good. That, thanks for listening to folks. And uh, you can. <laughs> no, I am curious, though, because I don't push people's buttons. I think it's mean. You what? I don't. Why would you intentionally upset somebody? So, so give me an example. You choose to get upset. Okay, the example that I gave a minute ago. <laughs> Like if I have papers I need to go through because David doesn't go through the mail or anything, that's what I do. So I let it stack up and then I go through it. Are you really trying to get an invoice for endorsing? Would you hush? <laughs> and so uh, he'll take his hand and like circle it around and go, what is this? I don't say it that way. Oh, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, it just makes me mad. Now, granted, he could have a mess on the other side, but he's focusing mm-hmm. on my mess. Interesting. Yes. So that's my biggest because, button because I can him. I can change my mess. I have to convince her to change her mess. Why does it matter? Because her mess is so much bigger than mine. Right. So why does it bother you that he does that, Lori? Yeah, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm I see, but I'm afraid to answer you because you're gonna go. Oh, you're playing victim again. Oh. No, just just say it. Why yeah, Why does yeah. it bother why does you? It bother you? Because I do the best I can, and oh, I am. Oh, Lord, I hate that He hates phrase. that phrase. <laughs> um, but I do. I feel like I'm doing everything I can. And then when he does that, it's like almost demeaning or saying I'm not doing something good enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, David. <laughs> so what's the problem? Yeah. David. What's the, pro- <laughs> I am I, the I'm problem? I'm asking both of you. What's the problem? I am the symptom. What's the problem? <laughs> 
I'm sensitive. I don't know. Nope, Is that, that the problem? No, nope, that ain't the problem. Yeah, what, what's the problem? That I'm unorganized. <laughs> it's disorganized. I can be unorganized, too. <laughs> you can be unconscious in your parenting, too. <laughs> True. Well, yeah, but no, what's, what's really the problem? That I'm overwhelmed. Ah, you're overwhelmed. Good job, honey. I knew that. You're it, only took, it only took you five years. <laughs> so whose problem is that? Oh, great. Ooh, Mine. Here we go. Ka-chow. Yeah. Ka-chow, so, ka-chow. Shut up, David. <laughs> What's the solution? Get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> then alienate the children. <laughs> Live by myself with my mess and not have to worry about it. Right. Yeah, don't. Let David have the children. Alienate myself. <laughs> We'd be fine over the dog. No, you can have them both. What? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I don't need to clean up dog slobber anymore. There you go. I'm going to live in Dorsey's backyard. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So go ahead. What's the solution? Yeah. Tell us, Lori. David, stop being so sarcastic. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. See my problem? Um, yeah. <laughs> the solution is... Um, Make David start cleaning up. That has nothing to do with the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Ask for help. Ask for help. Yeah. Who could you ask for help? Not David, because he's always working and busy. Not her son, because he don't do crap around here. Not my kid. (laughs) Because I got guilty parent syndrome. (laughs) He eats too many nachos. Yep. (laughs) How dare you pull him off of Fortnite? I need to take a Dorsey Pruder class on how to manage my time. <laughs> we have one of those. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're yeah. like the essential oil people. We have one of those. We have we something have for that. Those. There's an app for that. We do. Yeah. <laughs> There's an app for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I will say I know that even from a young age, if someone said something to me like, why was something done the way it was? Or like if it wasn't, quote, quote, good enough. It was because I felt overwhelmed mm-hmm. with stuff. And so I do have this perfectionist thing sometimes, and so mm-hmm. it makes it worse. And you do want to go, I'm doing the best I can. And then you get all emotional and crap. What do you need from David? <laughs> Look, she's not going to ask me to help because if I touch anything, she's like, put that down. You're just going to throw it away. Because he throws stuff away. He don't look at it. I'll, look, I'll, I pick, I'll pick it up, Dorsey, David. and I'll say, where does this need to go? Just, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Listen to this. I'm sitting there finally chilling. He's been watching TV all morning. I've been cleaning or something. I never watch TV all You watch movies. And he's sitting there, and then I finally go to sit down, or I'm in the middle of something else, and he'll go, where does this go? Where does this go? Where does this go? Where does this go? You feel my pain? Yeah, so how does that land with you? How does that make you feel, honey? Annoyed. Annoyed. So what do you need from David? To leave me alone. (laughs) So how can you flip that into... um, Make make it a positive. A positive, yeah. I am positive I need David (laughs) to leave me alone. (laughs) So... I need a maid. I need an Alice. Yeah, I need need an Alice too. Yeah. yeah, so I would work on articulating what you want and <laughs> not what you don't want, yeah. but what do you want to get out of the overwhelm? What do you need? I want you to put my stuff down and walk away right now. Bring about what you focus on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so stop focusing on my stuff. 
Lori's like, look, I didn't know this podcast was going to turn into a David and Lori counseling session. <laughs> exactly. I'll be sending you an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'll stack it in a pile that I never go through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah David so, will throw it away. That. Yeah, that way I can walk over there and spin my hand around and go, what's this mess? <laughs> it's a Dorsey Prudery invoice because you wouldn't... You know, <laughs> do X, Y, and Z, and you made me have to complain on the podcast. Yeah, we had to get counseling. <laughs> and you know, David's perfect. <sighs> He's positively perfect in every way. He is, and we are going to create a website for the David Haters Club. David. <laughs> She keeps joking about that, but one day I'm sure she's going to do it. I'm going to do it. She probably will. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Where everybody can go complain about their perfect husbands that never do anything wrong. Of course. Look, I can't help that. You can't help that you're positively perfect. At my worst, I am still better than most. <laughs> Is that a narcissistic comment? <laughs> I was like, Lori, this might be a, a whole other podcast on a totally different conversation. Lack of self-awareness would be a narcissistic quality. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because as much as she complains about it, she's also the same person who buys me these little signs like you get from Hobby Lobby that say things <laughs> like, I thought I was wrong, but I was just mistaken. Or... Or, yes, I talk to myself because sometimes I need expert advice. Well, you said it yourself. I'm drawn to so, narcissistic people. So, and you you reinforce the delusion. We talk about this in coaching all the time. I know. There's an app for that. Quit reinforcing my delusional behaviors. It's all your fault, Lori. Quit playing victim, David. Oh, that's true. I am playing victim. Now I know um, how you do it. It's such a... Such a release because now it's not my problem because I'm just a victim. It's so fun to play victim yeah. sometimes. Somebody has to save me. <laughs> I can't save myself. David, it, you it, are making fun of people It becomes again. not my problem when I can be the victim. You are so insensitive. I know. <laughs> but sometimes you really are the victim, right, Dorsey? <laughs> she has to I get mean, your approval. <laughs> no, because it's happening to you. You're feeling all this stuff. Well, there are no victims, only volunteers. Oh, crap. And I'm getting off this. Your, I'm done. Your life is a manifestation of what you believe you deserve. Most of us manifest unconsciously. Are you Buddha? So, uh, <laughs> that's my kid. We call her Tiny Buddha. But we call her Tiny Laughing Buddha. Ooh, She's Lordy. a little Buddha baby. And that's what I call my niece's little boy, Buddha baby. Uh, Jensen. She's 20 next month, mm. but she's my little... <laughs> My little Buddha. She's tiny. All right. Tiny little Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I do think we probably need to close it out before you get into uh, too big of an invoice. <laughs> yeah. And before we get into the complaint of your podcast is too long. <laughs> yeah. Quit well, being a you're going to edit it down. Quit, quit being a victim <laughs> thinking the podcast is too long. You've got a fast forward button. Well, just think if I edit out everything where she said that I was the problem, then it'll be like a five minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this is the fastest podcast you've ever had. It was just the intro. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, all it said was, uh, David's awesome, and then it goes away. <laughs> Dorsey, we need to talk about some kind of yearly package for you to help David <laughs> with his narcissism. <laughs> I'm going to be one of the ones that come to her and go, I should have come to you years ago. She's like, exactly. I know. I saw all these behaviors happening. I knew it was going to happen to you. I tried to warn you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if you are ever close to us in the Charlotte area, Charlotte, North Carolina area, or we're ever close to you in the California area, then we definitely need to hang out. 
<laughs> yeah. I totally agree. 100%. So you can help David some more. So I can help David some more. <laughs> so I can make it all his fault. Yeah, come on. <laughs> help a sister out. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Pulling the sisterhood card. <laughs> you can't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> Dorsey. Uh, remind everybody how to find you online and contact you. And I think you have like a little goodie to to give away. I do. So you can find us at um, ConsciousCoParentingInstitute.com. That's my website. And if you click the programs tab, we have a whole bunch of different coaching programs and online courses. And then we have a, a free um, step parents guide for your nacho audience. And so that is at the conscious co-parenting institute.com forward slash stepping in. And if you just put your information in there, you will be able to download our little step parents guide to help parents that are stepping in or help people that are stepping into a family and teaches them how to hold the space for their beloved stepchildren and their beloved partner. And then if you're urgently needing to talk to us, you can always call us at 888-379-7279. We're waiting for your call. (laughs) (laughs) I I used to tell people, you ain't busy enough if you waiting on my call. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like how you change the word parent to people. Yes. Yeah. See, yeah. see, David's got to you too. Look, yeah, he does that mind manipulation crap. What are you yeah, you about? actually said it, Lori. You oh. said it at the beginning Darn of it, the see? podcast. See, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's her problem. Is she forgets so easily <laughs> that by the time we're halfway through an argument, she's like, I don't even know what I'm arguing about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I can remember the girl you dated 17 years ago. I know. I can't even remember that. <laughs> Well, Dorsey, it has been really a pleasure to have you as a guest. And thank you for all your help. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely was. All right. So we hope we can have you on again later. And I know Lori is because she thinks I need help. But um, anyway, no, it was fun. And we we actually don't talk about co-parenting a lot. So it was good to to go down this path with you and, and get your your insights. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good night. You too. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I'd like to thank Dorsey for the help she provided me. (laughs) Don't sound so thrilled about it. (laughs) I thought she was spot on. Of course you did. (laughs) And then the one time she was going to support me, I had to open my mouth and stop her. Like, don't you say nothing, Dorsey. Don't you say nothing. She was like, well, I was going to say something, you know, to help you. I'm like, oh, no, no, say it, say it. Yeah, no, she was, she was spot on. I have to say this. Every time she would say normal range parent, I would think of free range chickens. <laughs> I like how Dorsey talks about NRN, no response needed. No response necessary. Needed. Same thing. It sounds a lot like the gray rock method. Mm-hmm. Somebody can say something to you and you just sit there. You don't react. You don't respond. There's no emotion. Mm-hmm. You are the gray rock. In the South, we call that the hush your mouth method. <laughs> it's the hush your mouth, turn the other cheek method. <laughs> that is the gray rock method. Yep. Part of the Nacho Kids method entails some similarities to the gray rock method. Yep. Don't respond to the bio mom. Don't respond to the stepkids when they try to Press your buttons. Mm -hmm. 
Gray rock them. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Nacho Kids method and what we have in the academy is kind of a culmination of several different methodologies and some psychology uh, pieces. And I mean, there's a lot of mixture of things. It's kind of like the, you know, that, that chili that you have that's so good because you threw all this stuff in there that was great ingredients and then you mix them all together and this fantastic dish comes out of it. That's the Nacho Kiss method. <laughs> <laughs> and Lori's looking at me like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> we really did enjoy having Dorsey as a guest on our podcast. Mm-hmm. David, we almost forgot to announce the winner of the Sylvia Crack Hour Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship is, drum roll, David, Christina P. Christina P. Congratulations. Congratulations. Look for an email from Lori at nachokids.com to get you started on your free month to the Nacho Kids Academy. Yeah. Compliments of Sylvia Krakauer. Thanks, Sylvia. You're the best. We love you, Sylvia. All right. That's it, David. That is our show for today, folks. Made me tired. (laughs) All right. So we hope you enjoyed it. Join us next week. So we're in October now. Guess what? Guess what October is? What? National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You thought I was going to say something about Halloween, didn't you? I didn't know what you were going to say. All right. So um, next week. If we don't forget, let's talk a little bit about Halloween craziness with stepkids. Well, why don't we do that when we do our Halloween show? Okay, we'll do it then. Because in the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about Halloween craziness, Thanksgiving madness, and then Christmas chaos. We'll talk about all those things because we're going into the time of year where there's more interaction with the other family and all that. And I'm sure... This whole COVID thing is going to curb some of that. But at the same time, some of these people are going to be like, look, we've been doing this all year long. It's time for some turkey and dressing. And starting January, we are going to have at least a month of men on the Nacho Kids podcast. So explain to the people what that means. That means that we will have men as our guest. We know that it's rare that women hear the man side of things. Yep, because you know us men, we quiet people. But I believe we have found enough men to have for a whole month and maybe two. I just wonder how many men are going to be on the interview with their significant other standing close by. Well, I will ask them that when I record with them. <laughs> be like, are you alone? <laughs> this like, is Jake from State Farm. Why are you asking me if I'm alone? Yeah. Can you speak freely? Mm-hmm. Any man will tell you, no, I cannot speak freely, but I'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I got to go. (laughs) I've had enough. (laughs) And for those of you that are frequent listeners, you know that we are recording this intro and outro in the evening. And that's why I'm not my most peppy self and why David is more irritating than normal. (laughs) So thanks for listening. That's our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening to Lori's Not Peppy Self and My Irritating Self. <laughs> if you think David is irritating, please. Press one. <laughs> Stop, but David, bye. All right. We'll catch you next week when we have another exciting episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Yeah. All righty. See you then. And remember, life is good. When you nacho. Nacho.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.